You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Yeah, I remember just going into a shop. I must have been about, fuck hell, must have been probably like six or four, even seven. I used to go to this shop with my mate and um, buy like a just regular Foster. That was the only thing that they used to sell. They didn't even ask me for ID, anything. They And we were kids. I would say, yeah, I'm buying some beer for my dad. Fuck, nah, that was bullshit. I used to basically buy it with my mates. On our way up from our lunchtime into, you know, infant school, we used to just neck down a beer and just walk into like, like a cloud, like a kid, like, uh. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys have been having a great week. I most certainly have been. Last night, we had an excellent time at this month's live Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. If you were there, thank you so, so much for being there. It is always a pleasure to hang out with you. If you were not there, well, you should have. And if you did miss it, that's okay, because I'm going to be releasing the chat with Eliseo and Charles of Abysmal Dawn next Thursday, so you can catch up with everything that you missed. I love Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hangs. It is one of my favorite things which has come out of this pandemic. I truly, truly appreciate my Thirsty Thursday gang. It is an awesome, awesome place, which you should be a part of if you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer, just as we do. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to encourage you to subscribe to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm asking you to rate it or write a review because when you do that, more metalheads just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You should also sign up to the Vox and Hops mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast throughout the past week, including all the details to any episodes which I drop throughout that week. If I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, there will also be the links to future live interview Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs, as well as the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on Apple Music and Spotify, and is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. Do yourself a favor, join the party, sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast podcast's mailing list. Now, on today's episode, I'm with Jeremy Gomez, the vocalist of Red Method. Get ready, people. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 238. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I am super stoked to be with Jeremy Gomez of Red Method. How are you doing, Jeremy? Uh, stoked to be with you. Uh, let's start with a very simple yet complex question I like to start these off with. Recently, coping with this glorious year of 2020. Um, to be honest, um, it's been tricky, not going to lie to you, um, especially when we were about to go on tour for a three-week tour and we released um, For the Sick under Red Method. And um, we, we were hit with uh, the lockdown, the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, just when we released the album. So um, we were actually driving up to Manchester when that happened. Um, the, the promoter called me and said, you know what, it's not worth uh, coming up. You know, it's, uh, things are getting cancelled left, right and centre. It's way too risky. Well, that's it. And we went into lockdown. And um, since then, 
I think I cancelled most probably it must have been forty three gigs, wow. something like that, and including uh, festivals, including all the kind of ma- major festivals in, in the UK. So yeah, it was a pretty you know a big hit really, which uh, which we're forced obviously to do. And um, since then, really, what I've been doing is just writing and writing and writing, and you know I've been getting most of the songs of the new album of Red Method, put it that way, out the way. But that's taken it a lot of time, and it's given me the facility, you know, I mean, the time really to focus on that and uh, really channel into the new songs and, you know, the, the new album, really. So that's, uh, I see a positive from it, I guess. <laughs> As a band, we've been active online, you know, we've been getting you, we've released uh, a video, and it's called The Reworks, and it's basically kind of like, looking at the debut album, rejiggling some of the songs, looking at more the electronic side of the band. And um, we did a video for that that was released in Halloween. You know, we, we, we've been trying to keep up. We've, been, we've done two lockdown videos or so at, at home. You know, we've done it ourselves. So we've kept, you know, we've, we've kind of kept uh, quite active, as active as we could. I think that's super, super, super important for bands to be doing that right now. You can't just disappear because in, in this new world age of everything moving so quickly, if you're not doing it, someone else is going to capture their attention. So good for you guys for, for keeping that up and, and keeping your finger on your fans' pulses. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What beer do you have on your side there, Jeremy, that we're going to share today? So we've got here a Beaver Town Bloody L, Bloody Orange IPA. There you go. I don't know if you can see that. Very nice. I love it. Super metal-ass label. I love it. Love these metal-themed labels that are coming out. So g- gorgeous, gorgeous artwork that's coming out of the craft beer world. And uh, I, I obviously see a huge similarity between all of the metal merch going on. I have more of a tongue-in-cheek beer going on here. Oh, nice. It is the Yaramir Lager, who is obviously named after the Yaramir Yager, famous hockey player, me being from Canada. I love that. And this is a Czech Pilsner, a Sveti Lezak, mm. absolutely gorgeous brewery from here in Kanawagi Brewing Company. This is super stoked to be drinking this right now with you. I'm going to crack this open. Let's talk a beer, about beer a little bit. Uh, tell me about your very, very first brew. Do you remember the first beer you ever drank? Um, also, I think it was, yeah. I think I must have been in, uh, <laughs> I must have been in, what was it, in uh, infant school. I'm, yeah, I remember just going into a shop. I must have been about <laughs> fuck must have been probably like six or four, even seven. I used to go to this shop with my mate and then um, buy like a regular Foster. That was the only thing that they used to sell. I'm back. I'm I'm from Gibraltar, you see. So um, in Gibraltar at the time, there wasn't a lot of things. You know, there wasn't like a big selection of. of Beers and we, we didn't have two two two. Obviously, it's a small British colony, you know, three uh, three miles by three miles. Back wow. in the day, there wasn't there wasn't three you know t- too many things. But basically, one one print one off license would would have to sell everything and serve everything for the people. So um, I used to walk in there. And they didn't even ask me for ID anything. They, <laughs> and we were kids. I'd say, yeah, I'm buying some beer for my dad. Mm. But nah, I was bullshit. I used to basically buy it with my mates. <laughs> On our way up from our lunchtime into, you know, infant school, 
used to just neck down a, a beer. Oh just my god! Like, like, a, like a kid, like uh. your teachers must have loved you. <laughs> oh, weren't they? I was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Well, I think that that was my first one. So I think it was uh, Foster. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, Foster must have been yeah. Pretty just. I remember just drinking one with my mate and getting completely pissed when I was about seven or six. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're you're, you're (laughs) up there with a few. Lord Worm was at four. I think that you are are next on the people that have told me the earliest drinking story. Uh, This... Yaramir Lager is absolutely amazing. It, if I close my eyes, I am in the Czech Republic drinking this. Uh, mad shout out to uh, Christoph, the brewer, who is Czech and made this. So cool. Very, very crisp. Absolutely cereal finish. Just just super, super cereally and malty, amazing, crisp, delicious. Mm. Um, let's dance into when... And as you mentioned, Foster's, the only time that I ever drink Foster's is when I'm on 70,000 tons of metal. Because you go through this like period when you're paying and you're like, but that can's so big. So so I'm going to get the best value for my money. And you end up drinking these monster Foster's <laughs> on 70,000 tons of metal. And it's always a mistake. And, and, and yeah, not my favorite brew. Uh, how about when you did, did you dance into becoming a craft beer enthusiast? Do you remember the first beer that would have caused you to become a craft beer nerd like myself i was always more just into just kind of just normal just not kind of normal beers um more than anything but um more craft i think it must have been probably in my early 20s i started just drinking trying different craft beers you know and um i like drinking craft beers from time to time and I like drinking it at home just to chill out and drink it. Most probably I must have started when I was 20, something like that, just trying different. I like different tastes. and I like going for something very distinctive and um, trying everything I could possibly try with a different purpose, I guess. Um, when when I drink craft beer, punk IPA, and it's more to, to, to taste the actual quality of the, of the actual craft rather than just getting pissed for the sake of getting pissed, you know? Um, <laughs> which is I've got I've got to do you know I mean I either drink to get completely annihilated or I, I enjoy my 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 beer and craft beers are one of them that I usually tend to buy here and there and um, enjoy it at home. Very interesting. Uh, growing up in Gibraltar, how long were you there? When did you leave there? I left I think when I was tw- twenty. Really? So I okay. Left, yeah, I left. Uh, did my A levels and stuff um, back in Gibraltar high school. And um, I was already I was already in bands. I was already in metal bands. It was probably one of the only metal bands I was in Gibraltar back in the day. And my band was called at the time um, Better or Dead, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was it was like an extreme, like a bit strappy and lad. I'm sure that you heard it, and a bit strappy and lad kind of vibes. Um, but there was nothing for us at the time. It was you always were playing the same two shittles, you know, like the same <laughs> pub, like the same two pubs always. And all the or when the fair used to come once a year, oh, we can play in the fair. Let's play in the fair. All the musicians dying to play in the fair, and it's you know it was just boring. You know, it's just like the same kind of stuff every single year. There wasn't, to be fair, there wasn't a, a lot that can, that could happen in, in a place like Gibraltar, and that was partly why I moved to to London. So obviously, I did. I did fine arts, not finance. I'm shit at finance, but <laughs> fine arts. And um, and I and I did a band. And I came and did a band. My first band was Ted Mall. And I came when I was. This was about twenty years ago when I moved to London. 
we started Ted Mall, toured with numerous amounts of bands worldwide. And um, then after that, I did another band called Metastasis, and then it followed up to Red Metal, where, where it is where I am now. Um, but yeah, most probably it must have been, I was 20 when I left. Wow. With the reasons of doing music and doing and following a career now. Very interesting. Let's uh, go backwards, though, and into your youth. Uh, growing up, uh, what would be the soundtrack of your youth? What music did your parents or guardians listen to when they, you know, when they're in control of the radio? What music was playing? Yeah. Um, for, <laughs> to be honest, it was a lot of flamenco. Because, really? You know, my, 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 my roots are kind of, you know, in Spanish, Spanish music, really, put it that way. And uh, there was... I've got an uncle, well, I had an uncle that used to be a flamenco guitar player. He used to go on, on um, cruises and he used to play the Spanish guitar. He did a few, he came out in a few movies in Spain. I saw a flamenco playing. So I think the roots were there already of this Spanish kind of side flamenco music and Spanish classical guitar. Uh, so there was a lot of that playing on. But also I remember my dad used to put a lot of Europe, a, fin- a final countdown. And that was the first thing. And then when he played it once, I remember, I must have been, again, I was really young, seven or something like that. And I heard it and I was like, oh, and I remember going from like really childish music, like, you know, cartoon kiddie music, and then hearing like flat Spanish flamenco music at home through the back. And then all of a sudden I heard, you know what I mean, the final countdown with, you know what I mean, with them prestige kind of unique vocals. And obviously, you know, some kind of put it, you know, some kind of distorted guitars to some ex, you know, some ex, extent. And I was like, what the hell is this? It blew my mind. I was like, this is amazing. Play it again. Play it again. And play it until I learned the whole thing, the whole song. And I think from there, I started to build up, you know, more interested in, in the world of uh, more, like I said, rock music and, and metal. But I very quickly moved to, to Slayer <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and, and, and Venom. And um, the bands that were at, at the time, you know what I mean? We were talking about 30, 30 years ago. How easy was it for you to get access to all these extreme bands being in Gibraltar? There was only one way, really. There wasn't... Was, we had Sky uh, t- TV, and um, I used to see all my bands, uh, the bands I liked, through uh, Headbangers Ball. Fuck really. yeah. That was my... And, and Beavis and Butthead and stuff yeah. like that. And when I used to see hear a band there, I was like, oh my God, I used to write it down on a piece of paper. And then go to the to the only music shop, <laughs> shop that was in your brother called BJ, and uh, we could obviously all the music I wanted wasn't in the store because obviously it wasn't quite dark and rare at the time, and there wasn't a big I guess uh, market for it at the time as big as it is you know these days. But um, it was easy. They so they they did. Um, put it in place and they did do orders and it took about, I remember two weeks for it to get back to Gibraltar. Um, and like that, I used to order every single album from, you know, from Korn to Marilyn Manson to, to Slayer to everything, the Pantera to the, the whole, and just ordered and ordered and ordered and until I was 20 and then I left to UK basically. It's amazing. But yeah, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't that easy. To pay. It's not like, you know, in London when I moved here where you walk into a shop and you go to the metal section. It's like, oh my God, this is heaven here. You got every, <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you can see so many different bands, you know, and it was amazing when I got to London because it had everything that I want, that I was always looking for when, as, as a kid. Um, but it wasn't easy at all. No, you had to basically put an order for them and, you know, some, sometimes they, they would come back to you and say after two weeks, sorry, but, you know, that it's just, I find it impossible to 
um, to, to to get the album you wanted. Shit. Sometimes I didn't even get it. So, yeah. That's, that's, you know, something that kids nowadays will never comprehend. The patience yeah. that we had to have back in the day to get an album, to appreciate that album. And I feel like we did appreciate it far more than now. I know for myself, and I've said on the podcast a few times now, since I've switched to using a digital platform to explore music, I listen to way, way more music, but I like less music or I cherish less music. Yeah. Yes, uh, it must have been also very difficult to actually see bands. Did do bands tour Gibraltar? Is that something that happened? No, <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. Um, they came, the closest was to Madrid, most probably hmm. in Spain. And that was about six hour drive from Gibraltar. I mean, or Granada. Granada yeah, I mean, Granada was uh, is the closest. I think Granada, yeah. I went to see Soulfly. That was my, one of my first kind of live yeah, Soulfly Corn also came, but you had to travel, you know, to see them. And this was later on. It wasn't even when I started listening to music, you know, the type of music I used to listen to. Um, this was later on, probably when I was twenty already. You know, the bands used to come, come close to Sevilla or to Granada. But again, it's it's not Gibraltar. You know, Gibraltar they didn't used to come so. It was a nightmare to see anything. You couldn't, you couldn't really, you know. I mean, you couldn't depend on on saying, "Okay, I'm going to wait till the tour again." You could spend your whole life there, waiting, <laughs> and and, they would, and the band would never come. So, but you know, sometimes they did come close, and you could get like a little bus together with friends and organize it and go to on a coach and go go into Spain and, and try and see the touring band that there is. But still, it wasn't. You know, the options were quite minimum compared to London and you know, London the concert <laughs> two three concerts a night yeah <laughs> easy you know what I mean so um, again yeah it was hard it was it's probably one of the hardest countries really that um, that's why I, I moved to it mm, and that's why I'm asking so many questions about it because I haven't I haven't spoken to anybody in a situation such as this so, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very interested by it and uh, the, the fact that you drove yourself and, and got out there uh, when did you start singing you mentioned that you learned the final countdown on because you listened to it so much uh, were you always a singer were you someone that just liked to sing talk, let's talk about singing a little bit I think uh the first time I re uh, probably I realized that maybe I could do, maybe I could try to do vocals in a band. Um, most probably was, uh, again, in a car. I must have been 14, 15, going out with your mates, drinking, getting pissed in the car. We shouldn't have, but obviously that we were proper devils back in the day. <laughs> and um, just singing in the car, you know what I mean? And, you know, my, my mate that was older than me at the time, he was a guitarist. He was like, oh, man, you know, you try and do some vocals you know you, you've got quite a good lung in you he was saying you could you know sustain a nice growl I'm like oh, okay and um, that's how it started then i just went straight to a rehearsal room and we did a cover I remember we were covering pantera um domination i think we did a cover of that then downset do you remember a band called downset yeah of course yeah. So, uh, uh, downset sangre de mis manos which was an amazing spanish track they had um with Slayer as well and Dayside, we were doing a cover of Dayside as well at the time. Um, Once Upon a Cross, and that's it. It started from there, really, you know. And then it was uh, I, I started doing a lot of rap metal at the time. I, I was into my rap. Yeah, I liked Cypress Hill a lot and Snoop Dogg, and then I liked metal. So I was kind of looking at that crossover between 
the two genres. And um, I started with a lot of rap metal and then I started with a lot of grunge and then went to very heavy stuff, like extreme and very extreme vocals, um, more Bayside, Bobby Angel, that kind of strappy and lad. And, um, and slowly, obviously, over the years, you know, finding my own kind of unique kind of style, I guess. But um, definitely it started, I would say, an age. must have been 14, it was probably 14 when I started trying to grout, <laughs> experimenting <laughs> with grout, let's put it that way. Uh, how do you keep your voice healthy when you are on the road? It's <laughs> a good question. I don't even know. <laughs> no, uh, people say I'm a quite a party animal when it comes to being on the road. So I think I've changed a li- I've changed quite a bit. I think from my previous bands to this one. So when I'm in the road now, yeah, I'm going to party. I'm going to still, you know, get on it here and there. <laughs> um, but not like I used to for well, my other bands. It's, I think it's probably his age, you know, I'm 39 now and partying every single day while on tour and doing vocals. As you know, it's brutal. You know I mean, every <laughs> single day, hammer it down. You know, I still do it, you know what I mean? Um, but um, I think drinking lots of water, main thing, warming up a little bit um, before the gig. Um, I think now I've got more self-control, I guess, as an adult than what I used to. So I guess you've got to listen to your body. And, um, you know, if you're doing your own the third gig, fourth, fifth gig, and your body's starting to, you know, if you're feeling your sore, maybe around the throat area or the ribs or, you know, you, you, you put in, you're caning it too much, put it that way. <laughs> if I drink, you know, but, you know, you slow down. You slow down and try and get some rest and sleep at least, you know. And uh, and you keep keep hydrated as much as you can. Honey, man, um, manuka honey as well is very good for the throat. Um, well, yeah, listen to your body. And when uh, it's telling you, stop, stop for a bit <laughs> with any other other um exterior um stuff that you that you usually take when you're on tour <laughs> it's the fomo though it's you know you're you're at, you finish the gig you're on that adrenaline high all the other guys or all the other people on the tour are going out and doing something and then you the singer you're like well i should rest i should take care of myself but then there's that fear of missing out that that little devil that comes and whispers over your head yeah, but what yeah, if yeah. they have a crazy night and then you're not there and yeah. it's this tour story that they're going to talk about for years and you're not going to be there but i think the older we get we're like just shut up i'm going to bed leave me alone <laughs> uh, i mean i i gotta say i've had the best times of my life on tour like um, i haven't missed the party ever i've done it <laughs> i've been the last one standing i always am <laughs> i think i've i've killed numerous amounts of bands and band members throughout my years of touring we, my first band ted ball had a big reputation for for just by, uh, by, by being completely crazy devils on tour um, with actually this guy, that's <laughs> Luca. Um, he he used to, he's in a different band called This Is Endless or something, but I, I do vocals for it. Really, it's like you know, old school death metal, Bayside, awesome. the Angel stuff. Yeah, and um, we used to party quite a lot. Um, we still do. Uh, actually, I'm hangover from having a party with him last night. I can't even <laughs> drink. But yeah, um, we'll consider, I, I think um, we, you know, I think you've got to be a bit more considerate this time obviously uh, with age and and then um, like you said you want to take you, you want to don't you don't want to miss a, any party but at the same time you do think it more now and you do kind of say okay is it worth it uh, the other thing is 
you got to look at weight off, you know, if you've got a really important gig, the next day you're playing some massive festival, you don't want to be completely hanging out your ass. Nope. <laughs> I mean, you want to, you want to, you want to give them hell, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's important to, I guess, to, to look after yourself. Absolutely. Prioritize a hundred percent. And the reason that we are on tour is to play the shows. So yeah, that, that course. should be priority number one at all times. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hobsons? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, speaking about playing shows, you mentioned that you had over 40 of them canceled this year. Uh, when do you realistically think touring will come back? Back to the way it was before the pandemic. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to most probably come back as how we left it. I think even if we did come, when things come back, as you know now, there's, there's a trial with this new vaccine and that's come out. Um, but even then, I think you're still going to need a vaccine to get in a gig or a festival, and probably you're going to need to do a COVID test. That's what that's what I'm hearing around here. So, you know, you're going to have to think it more than twice, I guess, for going to a gig now, because you got to, A, you got to have the vaccine, and B, you're going to need to fuck around and look for a, a COVID test, do the bloody COVID test, get the results. And sometimes, you know, life is so, you know, there's so many things you're doing at the same time. Now you've got to also consider doing, you know, a COVID test. Each time you do a gig, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. It's a pain in the ass, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, obviously I'll do it. But um, I think when eventually when things come back, it'll take a while for things to pick up, you know, definitely. Absolutely. And if they ever go back back to normality, I'm not sure. I don't know what restrictions is going to be. Or is it going to need a two-meter distance where the mosh is going to go like it used to be? I mean, you know, as you know, our music is all about the energy, the the fucking having it and it's part of the art, you know, it's part of the feeling, the emotions, uh, everything that creates that kind of um, live energy. And I think taking off that kind of, you know, two me, you know, having two meter distance, it just, it, it's like, I don't know, it's like using a, a mountain bike in, in a straight road, you know, it's like, it's not made, it's not compatible. I don't think it's compatible. Mm-hmm. You know? those, those rich wives driving their Hummers around. to a shopping mall as opposed to what hummers were actually made for to just destroy a forest (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) but it's true it's true those are shows i don't want to play i i do not want to play a social distance show i don't want to spend my time on stage saying now don't mosh now don't no no you can't do that because we'll we'll stop the show you know that's not what extreme music is about we're we're there to incite energy and uh 
you know, a friendly aggression. That that's de- definitely what my my point of view on this is for sure. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, yeah, I think we gotta need to. They say hopefully we can enjoy a summer off festivals. They say, but I guess let's see what yeah. summer <laughs> festival we we gonna have and how we're gonna be able to enjoy it. Mm. I mean, I am concerned to be honest because you know time takes off and you know time doesn't wait and obviously as you know you know you've got releases and you've got a band and you keep you need to keep that momentum going you know what i mean and there's so much you you know you, you can constantly continue to do online you know what i mean plus it's a bit i think you know what i mean yeah it's cool to do videos and lockdown videos and you know do a playthrough and do this but i don't know there's so much you can do of it you know what i mean and uh once you've done all that, well, you know, it's just repeating yourself again and doing the same online videos and the same, you know, it's, I think it needs to come back. Live music has to come back some form away. No, I think, yeah, it's going to lose a lot of, I think, people and, and hope, I guess. Absolutely. So you guys dropped For the Sick early last year. What a fitting title for the sick you know <laughs> with everything going on uh what i did love about the album is that uh, there's a whole bunch of new metal vibes going on in it and i as i've mentioned many times on the podcast i am a new metal child i grew up my first extreme bands were manson and corn and just i ate up all of that so i am loving this this resurgence that's happening in the past few years of new metal coming back in an appreciated form with bands such as yourself uh tetrarch and loathe another uk band i feel like there's a bunch of new metal vibes going on in that so to talk to me about this new metal resurgence what's your opinion on that i think it's great um, i'm not going to lie to you i think um to be totally honest I, the reason why i love you could say that late so you could say the label um new metal um why i love it is because I, and I wouldn't, I don't know, you know, it's just a, a label, really. People say new metal, oh, it's, uh, it's new metal. But it, it, it was just an era of music that came out that was just heavy. It was just pure in your face. It was raw. It was, neg- you know, the notes they used to use, uh, it was negative, you know what I mean? It was raw passion, negative um, to it. A lot of people don't see it like that. They say, oh, it's new metal. Oh, no, I like extreme <laughs> metal or death metal. I'm like, what gives a shit what you like, you know? I mean, it's like this this corn song sounds ten times heavier than whatever, you know, what I mean, crash metal you're listening to. Sorry, it's heavier in general, it's fucking more brutal. You listen to it. And um I think it's great. I think it does need to come back. I think when it, if it did come back, it's gonna take over uh, easily because the sounds, the grooves, everything's bigger. You know, uh, the whole fucking thing, it's it sounds big. It's like made to move masses. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, um, and I think uh, it's it's a good time for it to come back. I think it's a good time. I think there's been you know a gap already, a big gap of about twenty, fifteen years. You know what I mean? And I think it's time to for it to take off. Hmm. I think like like you said as well. There's a lot of bands now coming in, like Loath, like uh, Tesseract, um, that already are you know have these elements in here. You know, in 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 the new metal kind of, you know, vibes from the old stuff, but more modernized these days, I guess. And there's a lot, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of bands um, highly influenced by, you know, tons of it, tons of them are coming out. Um, I agree with it. I think I, 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 it should come back, it should take off. 
One last question for you, Jeremy. You mentioned that you're nursing a hangover right now, so this is just purely fitting with my wrap-up question. It probably doesn't happen to you very often, but it, it might sometimes because you're, you, you're that guy. You're the animal, the party machine. Um, what is your hangover cure? Depends. <laughs> it depends. Usually, um, usually it's, a, it's a beer, maybe a Moretti, Italian mm. beer, Moretti, yeah, one yeah. of the big ones. Yeah. Um, that and um, loads of pizza and actually loads of grapes as mm. well. For some reason, this makes me come back to life. <laughs> grapes, <laughs> water, and, and beer the next day. Amazing. And pizza, and pizza. That's a good pizza. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the way forward, definitely. Jeremy, thank you so, so much for taking the time talking to me about your life, metal, and craft beer. Everyone go check out the new Red Method track, Slaves of the New World Order, which just dropped in January. Check it out, people. Support Red Method. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Cheers, bud. Respect, brother. Amazing speaking to you. Wicked. <laughs> Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Now, I've heard many people tell me that they started drinking at an early age. Now, Jeremy, as I mentioned, is up there in the top three, top two people of people that started drinking at the youngest age. Um, It was a different time. It was a different era. Uh, I hope that nowadays in this modern times, we watch our kids and take good care of them and make sure that they don't start drinking until they are old enough to do so. Uh, Excellent chat with Jeremy. I'm happy we got the chance to connect. I'm looking forward to meeting up in person and sharing a brew with you and chatting some more because you were an absolute riot. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should most definitely subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, you should take the time to rate it and write a review because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You should also sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing lists. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast throughout the past week. Do yourself a favor, join the party, sign up to the Vox and Hops mailing list, because I don't want you missing a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I will be back next week with three episodes, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.